Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. Hey, what's going on, guys? we got a special guest today. We have Dr. Varun Gandhi. He's a life orchestrator, solopreneur, angel investor, inventor, philanthropist, and a water doctor. He enjoys orchestrating businesses, events, and ideas about the self, self-image. How are you doing today, Doc? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. You have an incredible story. Um, it's just got ups and downs. But where does your story start? Yeah, uh, so my story began in, I was born and brought up in Dubai. And I lived there for 15 years. And, uh, you know, in those 15 years growing up, I was, I'd been exposed to America. I'd been exposed to all these different ideas. And finally I got the opportunity. Uh, you know, we had the, the whole, uh, green card process back then was, uh, you know, you could like, uh, an American citizen, you could apply as an American citizen for your sibling. So my mom's sister applied for her and, uh, and they applied in like, right when I was born, like in the 80s, oh, wow. 80s. Yeah. And then finally in 2000s, about 12, 13 years later, we got the call that, hey, it's your turn to do the interview, go through the whole process, <laughs> and you get your green card. Wow. It took that long. Now it's even longer. But back then, it was about 12 years. Uh, and so we finally got everything. 2001, we moved here two months before 9-11. Oh, July yeah. 7, 2001 is when I land here. And, you know, 9-11. So uh, that was uh, kind of in very interesting beginnings in America, in a, in a country that I, was, I wasn't familiar to. I'd never visited. It was my first time I landed here. I just moved here with everything. Packed up all my stuff in uh, Dubai and just brought it here. And uh, so it was very interesting. And, you know, after 9-11, uh, I didn't face as much of the, the turmoil that was going around. You know, I was still kind of... I was in high school, 11th grade is when I started here. Again, that's also a rough time, you know, middle of high school. People have already made their clicks. People have already made their groups. So like you're the oddball out with this thick, heavy accent and you just don't look like you belong, you know, clothes from uh, Walmart because we just moved here. Uh, And so it's, you know, it wasn't a pretty situation. And so because of that and because I was, uh, you know, back in Dubai, the way it was is you're in one school, one environment the whole time. All t- like really kindergarten all the way to 12th grade, you could s- stay in one campus. You go to different buildings, but it's all in one campus. So you're familiar with the environment, familiar with the teachers, people know you. So I was in this one high school, one school for 12 years of my life. Wow. And, yeah. And so I knew everyone. It was so familiar to me. And now I'm taken from that environment into this new place where I don't know anyone. I only had four family members that I knew, uh, my relatives, and that was it. 
when I moved. How'd you, how'd you, that must've been a wild time. How'd you feel about this? Were you excited? Were you concerned wanting to stay? Cause at 15, that's a very fragile age. Yeah. I didn't want to come here. I was so comfortable in my space. I'm like, you know what? I have so many friends. I, I, you know, I love this environment and I really enjoyed being there. Uh, and then the, so then the first couple of months when I didn't know anyone here, we started going to call in a high school, 11th grade. Uh, it was kind of rough. I remember not wanting to go to school. I remember, you know, waking up in the morning with tears in my eyes and my mom convinced me like, Hey, just go for one more day. It's going to be all right. So, you know, that little courage that my mom gave kind of gave me the strength to just finish that day. Let me just go to the school, see how it goes. And finally about a month or a couple of months into it, I finally made some friends. It was like three of us oddball out. Uh, you know, we would meet up for lunch and that was like my, uh, uh, time where we were like, we'll get to have some fun. Otherwise I was still kind of miserable, like not wanting to be there, rejecting this whole situation. Uh, it was still very early, finally, like three, four, six months into it, I was, like, I was starting to grow onto me and starting to make more friends and, uh, becoming more familiar. Uh, and, uh, then it got, uh, it got to a good place and I was, you know, happy being here grateful that I was here as well because uh, you know this time Dubai was also going through a growth growth spurt that's when all the construction all of that started beginning in 2002 2003 and onwards uh, and and then I visited again 2007 and that's when I was extremely grateful for moving to America because uh, all of the construction had in Dubai had moved uh, a lot of the people out into the outskirts and you know into other cities uh, in uh, close by and so you could see all of the the shift happening where you wow. know like there's like a like a whole divide like there's this bourgeois like you're really really rich people living in that in Dubai with the fancy hotels and all of that the malls and all of that I mean they have this is the middle of a desert and they have a ice rink they built an ice rink in the middle of the desert operating at any time of day any time of season wow it's crazy like so the amount of energy and you know things it's using so I realized like I didn't want to be here anyways. Like this whole period that I was moving to America was like perfect timing. Like it was meant to happen for me. And there was a purpose behind it. Uh, so now I moved to America and I'm here, the graduated high school, quote unquote, living the American dream. I was going to college. I had a you know great uh, opportunity at Georgia Tech, one of the top public colleges in the, in yeah. the country. Like, you know what? I'm so excited to go there. And it was right in my backyard. Uh, so I started bachelor's Georgia Tech. And I was like, you know what, I don't, uh, I'm going to continue to get an advanced degree. So I'll go for a master's. So now I'm kind of in between finishing my bachelor's, going into my master's and I do this internship. And this was related to my field, something that I was going to do after I graduated. Uh, and those three month internship, about two months into it, I was like, I don't want to be doing this. I don't see myself long-term wanting to do this. You know, it, it wasn't like, there's something inside of me is like, nah, this doesn't sound fun. And so because yeah. of that, what I what did you- is I, instead of doing a master's, I said, I'm going to do a PhD as well. I'm just going to tack <laughs> on four more years, just stay in school longer, kick the can down the road. I'm not going to worry about it right now. Let me just figure that out later, but I'm just going to stay in school right now. Yeah. Um, one, one sec. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but let's kind of sit in that for a moment where you were having that moment of doing an internship and then being like, I don't want to do this because there's so many people nowadays they get an internship and you're like, I guess that was it. I'm, I'm not really sure. No, no one really knows. But like, what for you, how you, did you have similar feelings as like uh, similar to like to Dubai to America? Like, 
what was that like for you? Because that's a difficult time because you're supposed, everyone's telling you that this is it. Like you're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to be grateful, be, be blessed that you have this opportunity, but like, what? that's, that's what you hear. So how do you feel about that? You know, the internship, it was like a, it was a desk job sitting in a cubicle, looking at a whole bunch of data on a sheet. Uh, I did some projects where we would go out into the streets and collect samples and collect data. I was in the environmental engineering field. So it was a lot of like, you know, collecting samples and things like that. Uh, so it was, it wasn't just sitting at the office, but I realized that there was something inside of me. I didn't, I, I don't think I fully comprehended what it was, what that feeling was at that time. Uh, but there was something inside of me telling me like, this is not it. There's something greater there for you. Uh, I wasn't picking up on it at that time while I was going through the internship or just finishing up. But later on, this thing comes, this feeling comes back again. Uh, so what happens is now I'm into my PhD graduated my PhD and I'm starting to look for jobs. Like this is the next thing to do. I graduated PhD. Now, now what do I do? I don't know anything else. I'm so focused in this one particular field that like, imagine the room you're in right now is a, is all of the possibilities available, all the different types of careers, all the different ways of making money. I was picking like one particular dot and just focus on that dot. Like this is the way I'm going to make my career focused on this one particular dot in environmental engineering. I, I love that you said that because there are so many times in our life where people are so laser focused on what has gotten them there that they never lift their heads to look around and go, wait, there's other opportunities. You, you find it a lot in uh, some of these major cities where it's someone might be stuck in a hometown or stuck in a city or stuck in a location. It's location bound. It's work. Bound. It happens all the time, but we don't, we can't lift our head up and go, there's more out there. Yeah. Just let's wait and see. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And I, I wasn't looking up what, what else is there because I was just focused on that. And that's all I knew. My parents had, my dad has the same kind of similar kind of job in civil engineering. His grandfather had it. This is all we knew. Um, and so now I go into this job. I basically the same job that I was doing during the internship. It was just in a different setting. I was in, I've, my whole uh, college, everything was in Atlanta. I moved to Boise for the job. That was the only change. And so I do this job. Now I'm living this comfortable life. Everything paid for. All the bills are covered, living very comfortably partying every weekend, you know, living the high life, the mid 20 age, uh, you know, you know how that goes. And absolutely, I wasn't satisfied. I had everything. I wasn't satisfied a year into this job and I was still feeling like crap. Uh, you know, about a year and a few months in, again, I started having those feelings that I had during the internship. Like, why am I going to this job that is not making much of a difference in the grand scheme of things? You know, so I kind of had that feeling. Now I was able to actually vocalize what that feeling was. I had the same sensation. So what would happen is I'd wake up every morning. This is about 15, to 15 months into that job. I'd wake up every morning and have this pain in my stomach region. I, I knew it wasn't some sort of like physical ailment that I was going through. It was some sort of something greater than that. Some message that there was someone was trying to give me, right? Like the universe was trying to give me this message through this pain but I wasn't picking up on it. So about a couple months later, now this pain is really strong. It started off very subtle and now it's very strong. Like every morning I'd wake up and the pain is right there. Like I couldn't ignore it. So at that point, I'm like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. So let me start figuring things out. Like what is this pain for? Uh, and so 
it was also a very unconscious phase in my life. So I wasn't uh, aware of things, aware of my thoughts and things like that. Uh, so unconsciously, I kind of created this, let me sit down and just be with that pain and see what comes up. I, I don't know how it came up, but something just happened. And then I, that's when I realized, okay, it's this job. It's that I don't see a greater purpose in this job like this. I don't see me myself doing this for 10 years. You know, I'd looked within the company. I'd seen other people doing this job, doing this particular career for 10 years in multiple different uh, uh, companies. And, you know, they went from what I, what I was doing to maybe a senior level within 10 years became maybe one manager up, you know, like their salary went from 80,000 to 120,000 in 10 years. (laughs) And I'm like, wait a minute, is this really what I, where I see myself in 10 years? I kind of like started putting all these things together. I realized like, this is not it. There's something greater out there. Yeah. I, one of the major things you brought up is trajectory. And when I speak with different individuals, we, we find this happens all the time where people don't want to be in a place unless they're feeling that progress forward. Mm-hmm. And that progress can be hey, I've helped one person today, or I'm helping two people today. Or when we dive further, it will be about your volunteering, how that grows and grows and grows. The thing is that most people don't realize that if we don't see the progress, if we don't see the future, then we don't get excited about the destination. We don't get excited about the the journey. And I could see that happening. And I, I think I totally align with what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, that's that's completely true. Like I didn't see... Uh, you know, I didn't see myself doing that in the future. And I'm like, it's time to move on. Uh, so at that point, I was, I had to convince myself because I was programmed to think like, oh, this is the next step for me. Of and, course. You know, like I would, that's, that had been my whole life. And uh, my parents were saying the same thing. Like, hey, what are you doing? You went through 10 years of college and now you're going to give all of it up all of a sudden. Why don't you look for another job in a different company within your field? Again, I was still so focused on that one point, that one dot. Yeah. Um, you know, and then. I finally broke out of it. I said, you know what? I, again, I, I go through these like visualizations, like let me project myself in those other companies and those other situations to see if I'd be happy. And I wasn't getting those responses back. Like, you know, all, all the day, all the signs pointed towards it's time to move on. So I made the decision. I convinced myself. And finally, about a few months later, I was like, you know, able to convince everyone around me that this is the best thing for me, for my mental health. Uh, and so I finally left my job. And usually you give like a two week notice, like, Hey, I'm going to leave within two weeks. Right. I'm like, I was so happy to give a five week notice. I just submitted my notice. I'm like, I'm going to be gone by Thanksgiving. The moment I gave my notice, that pain just dropped. Like I didn't pain anymore. Yeah. Wow. It was like that. Like I felt so relieved. I felt like, okay, now I, the world of possibilities have opened up for me, all these different opportunities I'm, I'm available to. But at that point, you know, I was still like, in scarcity mode because I'm like, okay. yeah, let's dive into that a little bit. What year is this and how old are you? And like, do you have student loan debt? Like, was there any dynamics around that? So this is another sign that I was, I wasn't meant to do that career is because I don't have any student loan debt. I went through 10 years oh. of college with zero student loan. Incredible. Matter of fact, I got paid to do a PhD. My <laughs> tuition was paid for. and I got a monthly, a little monthly stipend. Uh, that covered all the whatever expenses that I had. Uh, so I was in a very great situation where I graduated with three degrees, zero debt, and the world is my oyster. And I had money saved up as well. 
Incredible. Yeah, because that's usually a thing that lingers over people where it's like, oh, you owe the money. Yeah. You can't leave your money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. And, you know, people get into that trap that, you know, $100,000, $200,000, $500,000 medical loans that they have, medical school loans. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough situation, but I was blessed to not have that. Uh, this was when I was about 28 uh, to 30, actually, when I was leaving this job. Yeah. So I would say that is one major thing for anyone to consider if they're looking at leaving their job or they're looking to make a change in their life is to really minimize definitely high interest debt, but live below the means, save money, do the financial literacy steps so that you feel very comfortable. Of, I'm good. I don't need this. Yeah. Did you give yourself like six months, a year, no time? You were just like, let's do it. What, what was your thoughts? Uh, leaving the job? Leaving the job financially, like next direction. Yeah. Oh, I was, I mean, this job was like, I'm not going to go back to another job. I knew that in the back of my mind, like this, you know, I'm going to out of the job game. I'm going to figure it out for myself. Uh, and so that's when I was, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had no direction, no idea. Uh, so first thing that I got into, uh, my friend was in uh, screenwriting. So he was working for movies. He wanted to, you know, become this director. And so he was writing his own screenplay. And so I kind of started getting in while I was also working, I was also diving into this, you know, writing, uh, storytelling and, uh, into that mode as well. So I kind of read a lot of books about uh, screenplay writing. And one of the things that I picked up from there is that, uh, you know, story write life is like, has to be like real life has to mimic real life so that what's what you watch on the movie is as believable as possible. Like it can happen. Oh, wow. Right. So that's one of the principles that I picked up from storytelling. And I realized, uh, again, we can come back, to, we'll come back to this again. Like, what's your story? The whole course that I put together, it's part of that as well. One of the initial um, ideas that formed uh, that whole chain of thought. Um, and so uh, while I was, so I kind of wrote a little bit about, you know, screenplays and things like that. And then from there, I said, you know what, let me move on, figure something else out for myself. Uh, uh, then I kind of used my PhD all of the experience that I had in college to help international students come to America for their grad school, help them figure out what programs to apply to, what degrees to look for, you know, which cities to go to, things like that. So kind of doing the whole consulting and helping international students out. And so this was again by me and a buddy and we were like good success in that. We did it for a couple of years. Um, and at this point I was also diving deeper into spirituality, going into meditation, yoga, uh, and, I, and at this point in my career, I wanted to combine entrepreneurship with meditation, helping people live a better life. And that's kind of the solopreneur title in my uh, in the bio. That's where that comes from is combining entrepreneurship with, you know, living a better life. Yeah. And I completely agree with that. Um, as I started uh, Edwards Consulting, and it just touches on the five pillars of mental health, physical health, community service, philanthropy, relationships, and then spirituality. And I just think there's so many areas of life that we don't consider. So a lot of us are very one lane to, okay, i am got my job. I got a promotion. I'm excited. Amazing. But what about your spiritual side? What about your relationships? What about your finance? Like there's so many other factors so how did you view uh, spirituality and philanthropy and how did you view all this? Yeah. Um, 
So when I was working, I was solely focused on that physical material life, you know, just living it. That was all, that was the whole focus. So that was 26, 27 years of my life. No spiritual background. I mean, I'm from the Jain religion, which is very spiritual and I would go for prayers, but it was more as, Hey, you know, my parents are going, they're pushing me to go. So I'm just going to go and do it. Right. I wasn't like into it, into it until while I was graduating my PhD, uh, about three months before I had to defend my final you know, dissertation, my thesis, I had gone through a rough breakup. And so this breakup caused a lot of pain and suffering in me uh, for you know, six months, a year. My whole time in Boise was that dealing with that pain and suffering. Uh, and so I, while, I, while I was going through that, I, that's when I got started diving deeper into spirituality. I faced a challenge in my life. And now I had to look for solutions and I went to meditation uh, and that was the thing. Meditation is the thing that helped me open up my life to all of these other avenues, to different thought processes. And, you know, just, it was a game changer for me. Um, and so the move to Boise kind of represents that, uh, you know, after you get this pain and suffering, it's like the move into the darkness, going into the shadow, going into the cave. You know, like it was, uh, it could have been a space for me to be in solitude, to be with myself and to really heal from the inside. But because I was going through so much pain and suffering, I wanted to distract myself, do anything I can to run away from all of this pain and suffering. So I would, you know, I mean, it's not bad to go out for a hike, but I would distract myself. You know, I don't want to deal with all this pain. So I'm just going to do whatever I could to go outside and, you know, distract myself or watch TV or drink alcohol, or go partying or, you know, eat a lot of unhealthy, nasty food. Uh, and so by the time that I was also, you know, having this pain in my solar plexus with the career, I was also going through this internal turmoil and, uh, starting to come out of it as well, because I was realizing that I was basically destroying my body. Uh, to give you an idea, Friday night, a friends would meet up after work and, uh, three of us, three, four of us. And every night, Friday night, Saturday night, we would finish a bottle of Jack Daniels, 750 oh, uh, liter. And this is just three or four people. We'd finish that bottle pre-gaming and then go out and drink some more while we were partying and clubbing and all that. So that was our, my life for about a year. Like we were constantly Friday, Saturday, we would meet up and just destroy my body as, as much as I could. And I think a lot of people in there, uh, so for myself, I graduated from uh, the University of Tampa, but when I graduated, I was still living in Tampa. So we would still go out to those same areas. And it wasn't until I actually left for an extended period of time, I was traveling around like in the remote world. Um, Cause as we entered the remote time, I like went to Denver for a month, Salt Lake city for a few weeks, uh, Nashville for a few weeks. And once I did that, it came to the realization of I have a lifestyle, but I don't need that in my lifestyle. Like, so I still drink, don't get me wrong, but it's not a let's do it aggressively or let's do it. Like, you know what I mean? It's more of a casual. And I think there needs to be that step away to open your eyes a little bit. I, that was at least my experience with it because there's a lot of people who are still in that, cycle i completely agree with you it was that 
let me take myself out of my life in Atlanta, go into Boise to kind of move me away from that mindset. Because that was, again, like it was that shift from Dubai to uh, USA. I was comfortable with my life in Dubai. And now I came to USA and I was completely out of my zone. Same thing when I was in Atlanta for 10 years, moved to Boise after that. I, when I went to Boise, the first couple months were really hard. I yeah. didn't know anyone there. I worked in an office with 20 people and most of them were older than me. You know, in their 40s and 50s with families and kids. Uh, and so it was kind of a rough time for me the first couple of months. But again, once I met a couple of friends, that's all I needed. Then all three, four of us just got together every weekend and partied it up. But yeah, it took transition. It took me time to realize, look, I'm actually doing this to my body. I am killing myself. But there was a time where like 2 p.m., 3 p.m. while I'm at work, I just fall asleep. I'd have, I, I wouldn't have energy to continue work. So I'd have to like drink coffee, go out for a walk, get some fresh air, and then finally come back and just, you know, sleep through the three, four hours that I left. Uh, and so it, it was like that. And I realized that I was doing this to myself and I could change that. So I finally started cutting out slowly, slowly but surely, you know, fast foods and then slow down on the alcohol. And uh, now I'm actually I've given up alcohol completely for the last five years. Feel Congrats. so much better, so much more energy. Uh, went completely plant based as well. Wow! I've been vegetarian all my life. Uh, in the last about five six years, I've gone to plant based life as well. That's incredible. And yeah. sometimes it, it, there's like when you're going through one of those approaches, like you say, alcohol, no alcohol for five years. It's not like a plan. Like, hey, I wasn't planning to go for five years. It, how, how does that start? Is it just like, hey, let's try 30 days or 15 days? Or for some people, it's even one day. You know, for me, it started with how I feel, right? So I'll give you a story. I was in, this is Temecula, wine country in California, right? Like wineries everywhere. We were sitting there with family. Uh, my wife was there, her family, and you know some friends or family visiting from out of town that come in from Toronto or actually uh, Vancouver. And we were just hanging out there and we were drinking white wine at this beautiful winery. And while I was drinking it, I, I felt like I was putting, pouring chemicals in my stomach. In my, you know, it just felt like chemicals were going down while I was drinking it. And that's when I realized, like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. And I'm going to stop it completely. Like, I'm just going to stop it. I, that's what I said. I'm just going to stop it. I didn't put a timeline on it. I didn't say, like, I'm going to do it for X amount of time. Uh, but then every day went by and I don't miss it. I don't crave it. I don't need it. I didn't feel like towards the end of it, I didn't feel like it was benefiting me in any way. And so I didn't really have, you know, drinks all, all around me, people around me drink, but it doesn't phase me at all. Like I'm at parties, people offer me drinks. I've, I don't need it. I never do uh, anymore. And so that's kind of how it started for alcohol. I'll give you another story about food. Uh, you know, fast food is has been in my life for a long time. Like Taco Bell is a huge thing in my community, uh, you know? And so uh, I'd have late night Taco Bell. And uh, the way it stopped again is by me paying attention to my body. I, I'll eat Taco Bell and I know right now I feel really good. Taste buds are, you know, it's like, oh, this is amazing. I'm in heaven right now. But how do I feel an hour later? How do I feel two hours later? How do I feel four, six, 12? How do I feel the next day? How long does it take to process out of my system? 
I was looking at all of these different things and I finally realized what foods are good for my body, what foods are good for my energy and what foods are not good for me and what should I eliminate from my system. So that's how I started slowly eliminating foods that are not good for me based on how I feel, based on what my body is, what signs my body is telling me. And that's it. That's all I do. So I don't look at nutrition and all that. I just say, okay, this is my body feel good with this. And if it does, I'll keep it. If it doesn't, I don't like, for example, I know all of that plant-based protein, uh, you know, like, sorry, the plant-based meats, right. The, all of that, uh, there's so much yeah. that's caught on the market. It's got a lot of soy in it, got a lot of wheat gluten in it and it's got protein in it too. So I tried it I said, let me just try it. These are lab grown meats. I don't know what, what's in it but I have to give it a shot. So I tried it and my body didn't feel right. A couple of, it's not just one time. It's like multiple tries. No, of course. Every time I tried it, it didn't feel right. So I don't need to have this in my system. Things that I feel good about, I'm going to keep it and just continue doing that. I love uh, how you changed the perspective on it. It wasn't going into the meal, how exciting you are, because that's, how most of us are that that's how I was for dinner last night. I, I get excited about the meal. There's very few that actually look what's the post effect of that meal and how do I feel thereafter? Cause you're gauging it on the after the before doesn't even matter. It's very interesting. Cause that's not a perspective. Most people think about. And also I thought your association with I'm pouring chemicals down my throat that was like one of the ways I stopped. When we have different associations, we don't think of things the same way. So like for myself, you an easy way to do associations, if you don't know what it is, is basically late night pizza. You have the pizza. One, one side is, wow, that was so amazing. I love it. The other side is, I feel horrible. I feel horrible. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yuck, that's going to make me like overweight. That's going to make me not feel well when you are able to look at the other side past just the taste, it really opens up your perspective. So I love how you did that with food and alcohol. It's not something that most of us think about. It's usually a restrictive, not a, the discipline actually opens me up. And I feel yeah, better. Thank you for pointing that out. This is actually the first time that I've realized that that's what I'm doing. Like it's, I'm kind of doing it inside internally, but uh, you know, comprehending it, understanding what that is, like associating with certain feelings that I don't want to feel anymore. I think that's very accurate. Yeah, I, I love it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Absolutely. I thought it was fascinating because we just don't, uh, we just don't think about it. It's not something we consider most of the time. And so I've started uh, using that more and more in my life, even with, uh, you know, like with the uh, foods, like plant-based and whatnot, it's, associating with the feeling that I want to feel and this is removing feelings that I don't want to feel anymore. You know, the same thing with foods and uh, even ideas that I want to work on. How does it feel internally? And if it feels right, all right, let's move forward. Yeah. So let's dive into some of those ideas. What What's some stuff that after you're leaving the job, what would you look into? What were some of the things that you picked up like in the spectrum of your life? Yeah, you know, I so meditation is one thing that's opened up a lot for me, you know, and uh, the way I started meditating is also very interesting. I uh, uh, this was when I moved back, I moved from Boise back to Atlanta, and uh, I was now in this. I rented out a one room apartment or one room out of my friend's apartment, and in this room were all of my belongings. So 
everything that could distract me was in that room. So what I did is I focused on the corner of the wall. I just, where the walls meet, I'm just going to focus, sit there in the corner. So everything that's, all my belongings are behind me. All my distractions are behind me. I'm just focused on that wall. And that's how I started meditating. I said, uh, I'm going to only do for five minutes. I don't want to go more. I'm, and uh, I'll try out different kinds of meditation, right? So what I did is I Googled what meditation was. And, you know, there was a lot of good stuff out there. There's a lot of crap out there uh, that uh, doesn't make sense. And at that time, I was so confused. But as I started meditating, I started discerning what's right and what's not. Uh, so I said, initially, I started, like, I put a point in the a dot on the wall. And I just focused on that. Or I would close my eyes and focus, uh, like, imagine on a flame inside, internally, uh kind of you know do like little focusing exercises for five minutes so it was hard initially i couldn't even sit there for five minutes i felt like i was you know the ocean the top of the ocean is very turbulent yeah like my thoughts were like that it was very turbulent at the beginning uh and so some days i would sit there you know and i would uh the one one common question that would come up is has it been five minutes yet right <laughs> And then I look at the phone, it's only been 20 seconds and it, feel, it feels like it's been five minutes. Uh, so that was the other question that I, the, the thing I did to eliminate that question, that kind of concern in my mind while I was meditating is I would put a five minute timer on my phone and set my phone away so that, uh, you know, my phone is also a distraction. So I put it out of reach, but it also is, has a five minute timer. So I'm not constantly thinking, how long has it been? Uh, and so that helped a lot because it removed a lot of... Uh, you know, has it been five minutes yet? And then I started meditating. I sat down and sometimes I would last for two minutes. Sometimes I would last for three minutes and slowly, slowly, slowly. I said, you know what? I have to just continue doing it every day. Some days I would miss it. And that was completely okay. I would come back the second day, the third day, whatever it was. Uh, I went through a phase where I would also journal. How was my experience going into the meditation? Like what was my state going into it? What was my state during the meditation? What kinds of thoughts came up during the meditation? And then how did I feel after? Uh, what kind of uh, sensations am I feeling after the meditation? So I would write that down. I did that for about a month or so just to keep my consistently doing it. Uh, and so that kind of helped me build this meditation practice in this new environment that I was in. Uh, so that, that starts with the very beginning and it was very interesting. And what I felt that meditation helped me with is uh, one of the major things is it helped me take that step back uh, instead yes. of being in the thick of things, you know, while I'm going through an experience, I now have the power inside of me just to step back and objectively look at the situation as opposed to reacting to the situation. You know, I could actually respond to it consciously. So I make it a conscious effort whenever I get into a fight with my wife, for example, to take a step back always and come back to it an hour later, two hours later, five hours later, whatever it takes. But I don't want to be in that state of anger where I lash back at her. Yeah, 100%. I think you brought up some really awesome stuff in regard to your whole career and your whole life up to being a doctor and getting that job was pinpoint. You, you mentioned that several times. It was all focused on one point. And now this meditation time has actually expanded your mind to see different angles, see different opportunities, see different things. And I, I think that's amazing. And then in regard to your wife, yes, in the heat of the moment, things can get said and you want to remove, it's better to be like, where are you going? Away. 
Because oh, yeah. you can come it's back in an hour and it goes away. It's fine. Yeah. You're not bundled up. But sometimes you got no one to remove yourself. Yeah. For sure. And so you kind of asked, like, what are the things that I'm working on right now, right? So through this meditation, what came up was this idea. Uh, so it was through the meditation and then reading others. Oh, one more. Yeah, one more thing about the meditation. When you would go in, is there anything that you would uh, think about? Or it was just close eyes, take the five minutes, see what comes to my head? It was kind of seeing what comes up because I, w- I wanted to, uh, you know, at this point it was, I had just gotten into introspection. Like 20, 30 years of my life, I hadn't done it. Like I'd never introspected because I was always on that rat race, running from the one thing to the next thing to the next thing. It's constant, right? So I didn't have that space for myself to sit down and analyze what was going on inside of me. What, what are my thoughts? What are the feelings that I go through? It was just running from one to the next to the next to the next. So finally, meditation gave me that space to like, all right, let me just sit down and see what's going on. And because I would do that, now I go through that throughout, uh, throughout my uh, life, like throughout the day, I look at different experiences. Like, let's say I had an event in the morning. So I come back in the, in the afternoon or in the evening and kind of analyze, okay, what, what did I do there? Can I do something better? Can I say something better? I kind of like that, that kind of helps me, you know, improve on myself. Uh, so this is what yeah. meditation helped me with, you know? Um, and yeah, I, I love your check-ins. There's very few times where we go through, and I was talking about it with some people today about reflection and seeing how we're doing. How often do you reflect? Most people, oh, New Year's Eve, reflect. <laughs> and yeah, that's not even reflect, that's a look forward. It's never a look backwards. Yeah. So the fact that you're reflecting several times a day in these different instances, I think anyone could take this away and be like, powerful wow, that is it. That's how you improve. Because if we're constantly looking at ourselves from that outside angle, it gives us awareness of maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I could have done this. I did a good job here, but it's also good to include the positives and the negatives. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You want to point out what things, what what you're doing right. So you can continue doing those and then, you know, find things that you could always improve on. There's always something to be improved on, you know? Uh, And so this, this kind of idea came up that, our life consists of the stories that we tell ourselves, you know, and we're constantly telling these stories, meaning uh, like, let's say, you know, you're trying to make sense of certain situations that have happened in your life and it's you creating, you know, the perspectives behind it to understand that situation. If someone else were to look at the same set of set of situations, they would create a completely different story based on their experiences, based on, you know, what they have been through up until that moment in life. And so we're constantly doing this story creation. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, would an example of this be, and this is just what came to my mind instantly. I I just kind of want to aid to it just to explain. So like when you say the story, it's kind of like when I made the decision to go travel, like it was, I'm going regardless. I'm going to do this no matter what. Other people could have been like, my whole life is in Tampa. I'm just going to renew a lease and I'm going to do this lease and it's going to be fine. Like you have to be very intentional to have that different perspective of like, what are you doing? Like, how does that work? Because you're completely right. People are dealt the same cards. Why does one person win and one person lives mediocre? Right. It's because of what's going on in their mind internally. And that's exactly right. It's like, what are you telling yourself 
about the situation that you're in or about to go into or something that just happened. You know, it's, it's all internally created and there's kind of a mechanism of how it happens on a daily basis. And I feel like if people understand this mechanism, then they'll pay attention to how they're creating stories. So the way it works is the, the analogy is this, where imagine we're in a movie theater and we're watching this movie on the screen. The screen is a tool that shows the movie. There's a projector in the back that's projecting certain images onto the screen. So projector and the screen are tools and there's a film that's inside this projector, right? So there's these three, three different components. So in our lives, there's a projector that we have inside of us. That's our imagination. A third eye right here is projecting images that are fed in, into it by this film. The film is all of the experiences, all of those defining moments, everything that you've been through up until this point, all of the data that you've collected is sits in this film. And this film is inside of you. So our imagination is collecting data from this film and projecting it onto the different screens in our life. The screens are the people that come into our lives, the situations that come into our life. So like you moving from Tampa, that would be one of the screens that you came across. And your imagination is taking data from your film that's saying that, oh, I want to travel. This is what's best for me. I'm going to be open, opening up my mind, opening up my you know, horizons to all of these different opportunities when I travel. So that's going to be my story. And that's what I'm going to project onto this Tampa situation. I'm going to leave Tampa and go on the road and travel. Whereas other people will be like, their, their projection will be like, hey, I'm so familiar with everything that's in Tampa. I just want to stay here. I want to have my friends. I don't want to move out. Right? So that'll be their story. So we're constantly doing this on a regular basis. If we can pay attention to what, project, what we are projecting onto other people, onto other screens in our lives, our lives will change completely. Wow. I, I, I wrote down what you were saying, and I'm just kind of like, it's perplexing. It's fascinating how this all works. And I think you're spot on because people see what they want to see. And if we have this imagination, that's why there's people who it's difficult. Like if you had a childhood where they were like, you can't do this, you can't do this. You have to be a construction worker. You have to do this. And you see these people in e-commerce making all this money. You're like, but how are they? You know what I mean? It's that token of possibility of, is this possible? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that completely aligns with what we believe and what we're able to comprehend and even imagine in our own heads. Like so, you notice, you notice yeah. when you ask kids, uh, what, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" Uh, my girlfriend's got a ten-year-old brother, and I ask him what he wants to be, and he's like, "In the NFL, obviously." Mm. And if you go and ask an adult, "What do you want to be?" and it's like, it's not what they want to be you know what i mean it's 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 a it's a bean down version of what they think they can be yeah very not limiting very limiting not the nfl that's expansive that's that's the leak like yeah, for sure yeah they, they'll talk about the afl just kidding <laughs> uh you know and so this uh storytelling is very fascinating because you know we have the power to change our stories right uh, and the way to change the story is to look at the film that's inside of you. And it's up to us. The introspection is up to us to edit parts of that film or to rewrite, create new meaning to old film, 
you know, there was an incident that happened way back in your childhood. And the only reason you carry it to this day is because it's in your memory. And if you change your relationship to that incident, uh, you know, moving past the trauma, once you move past the trauma, you change your experience to that incident, it will no longer affect you in a negative way today. That's the only way it's affecting you today is because it's in your memory. That's in the film. If you can start clipping, editing parts of that film to make it so that your life is empowering, your life is, you know, like you're living to the highest possibilities of your life. That's when you're winning in life. 100%. Um, One of the previous guests, Anil Gupta, his whole thing is that he's, uh, quote unquote, the love doctor. And he, he brought up a question one time to me and he said, how do you know if you're uh, like, how can you, would it be possible to thank your ex, like your ex partner? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like they were just, it, it didn't work out. What do you mean? And his whole concept was they taught you everything that you don't want or factors of what you do and don't want. So even if it was hard, even if it was difficult, they blessed you to meet that the person you're actually supposed to meet, in which case you're in this grateful thing. So it's thank you for showing me that perspective. Like, cause then, then you're in a place of, I don't care. Like I'm grateful for them. Like, cause they're part of the journey and that's a fascinating thing. Yeah, um, which yeah. I, yeah. If I could be in that gratitude, if I could have been in that gratitude state much longer, much earlier in, you know, after that breakup, I would have been so much happier, but I was like fighting it. I was like, why am I not with her? This is so perfect. I'd imagined my whole life with her, like the American dream, the two kids, the, the house in suburbia, the yeah. dog, everything with her. Right. Uh, and yeah, it, it's just a lot of resistance inside of me. Absolutely. So let's dive in a little further. So we go through the meditation. We have the storytelling. Are you doing stuff with the storytelling? Is there? Yeah. yeah. What I've created is a digital course. And essentially what it does is the film that's inside of you, we're literally, re- I mean, some people have not don't know what's in the film. So we're creating that film. Right? So I, create, I, ca- I call it the My Life Film. Essentially, it's a chart that you put in all of your experiences, positive and negative. And once you put those experiences in, then we'll sit down and analyze how each of those experiences are affecting you today, right? Especially the negative ones. You take the positive ones as well. We'll gain some insights from there. We'll take the negative ones and understand how are they affecting you today? Because that is such an important uh, thing to understand, like insight to have. That's where your limitations are. There are certain things that happened way back when, and they're still affecting you today. What, how is it affecting you? What, how is it limiting you? How can you overcome that so that we can move forward and have this future that you really envision for yourself? So that the course will allow you to create your film, understand what, the, what those experiences mean to you, recreate the meaning behind those experiences, and then envision this future that and now you're a new self. What will this new self want to do? Now let's envision this future for yourself and start living it. So that's what this course does. It kind of gives you, uh, like breaks down, you know, I'm an engineer. I have this technical mindset, logical thing. I've got to break everything down. So that's kind of what I did. I broke it down into smaller bits and pieces. It's a 30-day course. So every day you get a 15-minute video and about 5 to 15 minutes of exercise that you do to build on your life film. And it's, it's, kind of, it's very simple. 
Uh, and it helps people change their life around. It helped me change my life around. Absolutely. And where can people find this course? So you can find it on my website, drvarungandhi.com. I'll send you the link. Uh, you know, yeah, I'll put it that in the show notes for sure. Yeah, there's a tab called course. You click on it and you'll have access to it. I'm currently, it's in the pre-launch version. So I, I've given it up for uh, 66% off. Uh, so once it goes live, then I'll, it'll be back to the original price. Awesome. That's great for the people to know. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on with you is something that you, another pillar in Edwards Consulting that you touch on a lot is community service slash philanthropy. How has that impacted your life? Yeah, community service. You know, through one of those introspection sessions, I realized that I've always enjoyed helping people. You know, when I was in third grade, I remember, uh, so our teachers, the way it worked is we were, we had a particular classroom, the teachers would move around. So if the biology teacher would oh, wow. teach us, chemistry teacher would come in and teach us, but we'd sit in the same room. Uh, and so as the teachers would leave, they would carry all of our books to great homework and things like that. And I would help them be like, I'd offer myself like, Hey, do you need help to carry all this stuff? Cause 30, 40 books piled up is, is huge. And you know, they need extra hands. So I was like, I'll help you. you know, so I have these memories that I've always wanted to help people. And then now the pandemic hits April, 2020, I get a call from a friend. We've done a lot of uh, local community projects together and he said, you know what, there's this organization that has money and they want to do something to help people. People are losing their jobs. You know, so there's something that we could do. There's something that we could offer. What is it? So we brainstormed. We thought, uh, thought about it for a while. And then we realized, okay, food is something that's very essential. People are losing their jobs. Businesses are shutting down. They don't have a source of income to put money, uh, food on their table. So why not provide them groceries, like raw supplies that they could take home and cook? So we started that with one weekend. We said, okay, let's meet up in early May, uh, put this together and, you know, see what happens. Uh, without much publicity, we created 400 bags. We had enough volunteers and we were able to give out like 250 out of the 400 bags to people who actually came. Oh, wow. And then the other 150, we donated to another organization. Uh, then we realized like there's a need for this. There are people hurting. So we continued. Let's just do it for another week keep doing it, keep doing it. The funds were there. They weren't an issue. Uh, and we ended up doing that project for about six months. We ended up donating 8,400 bags of groceries. Oh my God. And then along with that, about a couple of weeks into that project, we said, okay, is there anything else that we could do? We started asking us question, ourselves questions. We realized uh, a part that we're missing is well, not everyone has a home to cook these meals. Like we're providing them these supplies, but they don't have a kitchen counter to cook them. Not everyone does. So why not provide hot meals? Let's just cook the meals and package it and you know, distribute it. And so we created a plan to do that. Initially, we started out with uh, you know, finding some volunteers to cook it out of their home. So they would you know, prepare 100 meals, 200 meals, bring it to us, and we would distribute. Uh, finally, but a couple of weeks into it, we... Uh, involved a few more people in, in this project and they brought in some resources. So uh, this is when we were able to expand to the kitchen that we're in currently. Uh, the facility that we operated out of had this whole expansive kitchen with it. Uh, what we found is a team of volunteers that could go into that kitchen and prepare those meals. 
So once we found that group, they had experience preparing 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 meals. So once we found that group, we were like, now we can actually scale up to 1,000, 1,500 meals every Sunday. So we continued that from, uh, we started like late May, 2020. We've continued that all the way through, even to this day. Wow. Uh, thus far, we have fed, we've gone over 100 weeks of every Sunday we fe- feeding people. And we have fed uh, more than 200,000 people, meals, more than 200,000. Yeah. Uh, That's so Every Sunday, a group of volunteers meets up in, Cal- in uh, LA. Uh, we have prepared about 1,500 to 2,000 meals. And the way it works is we're the community kitchen and then different organizations that, uh, you know, they have volunteers, they go out into the streets. So they'll come and pick up the meals from us and then take it out onto the streets and distribute them. You know, we realized another pain point that we were solving is there are a lot of these organizations that want to do the great work. They have the volunteers to go out into the streets to hand out the meals. What they also have to do is prepare the meals. And so what I realized is our team realized that why not let us do the work for them? Let us go in early into the kitchen, prepare these meals so that they can come in and just distribute them out into the streets, making their job easy. And this way we were able to feed so many people. We partnered up with about 15 to 20 different organizations every week. And uh, on Thanksgiving Day, uh, last Thanksgiving Day, we prepared about 5,000 meals. Uh, usually we do about 2,000. And this Thanksgiving, we're also planning something bigger. Uh, and uh, 75% of the meals are plant-based. Uh, they're all vegetarian, but one of the meals has a, a little dairy in it. Uh, so we're you know, feeding healthy meals to the community. And uh, you know it's it's been blessing every time we reach out to the community like hey we need help for volunteers people will show up every time we reach out to the community for money there'll be someone there to donate even if it's five ten fifteen dollars there's there's always someone to donate funds people I feel like people are looking for avenues to donate money to do some good work put in their time but they don't know how to do it so once we talk to them like hey this is a group of volunteers getting together doing this. People come, they want to donate their time, volunteer, donate resources, their money, whatever it may be. Uh, so we also have a GoFundMe for this for anyone that's interested in donating. Uh, I'll shoot you the link and you can... Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. So I, I want to say that one of the coolest things you guys did was instead of it being a one-man show, not just, uh, I mean, you know, like a one-man organization or like multiple organizations you look for everyone to work together as a team because there are so many issues. Like the fact that you're the one creating it all and then you have all the other ones as distributors, I think is so beneficial because most of the time it's, what can I do for myself? How can I do? And now it's become a selfless act where we're all working together as a team. And so even, I think within, that- even within our uh, the work that we do, there are also multiple teams involved there. Like we have a kitchen team there that comes in and cooks the meals. And then we have a packing team that takes the big meals and you know packs it into smaller uh, boxes. Yeah. And we have a distribution team. Then we have a supplies team. Someone goes out into the week in the middle of the week to get all the supplies. So that with someone that the team that comes in on Sunday has everything stocked stocked up for them to and ready to be cooked. So it's like all these different teams working together. And that's kind of what I learned is that you know. I mean, teamwork makes the dream work. Uh, you know, that's, that's without, uh, without a doubt that always works. And, you know, a group of people 
walking in the same direction, all of us will go faster than just one person walking in that direction. I love that abundance mindset. That's, that's awesome. So doc, where can people, obviously we're going to put your website for the course. We're going to put the GoFundMe. Is there anything that you want to leave the people with? Yeah. Uh, you know, Instagram is another great place to connect with me. Uh, the, my handle is Dr. Varun Gandhi and, uh, to leave people with the one thing that I haven't talked about. And that's also in my title is the water doctor. And it started as, you know, the PhD is in water engineering. Uh, however, I've transformed that into more of a physical, mental, spiritual health. Of, yeah. It's essentially a PSA for people to drink more water. Uh, I read this book called uh, Our Bodies, Many Cries for Water. And this is the one book that my dad gifted me <laughs> in 36 years of my existence. He gave it to me about 12 years ago or 10 years ago when I was in Boise. And I hadn't read it until very recently. But essentially what this book is, is written by a doctor in Iran. And this is during the revolution in Iran. He was put in jail. And while he was in jail, he realized that the prisoners that are in there, a lot of them, they didn't have energy. They were like basically you know, leaning against the wall, just half dead on the floor. And he started asking questions like, what is going on? Uh, and he, what he did is he just gave them water. He said, let me just try with water, see what happens. And within three hours, he saw a noticeable difference. Within six hours, they're completely normal. They had all the energy in the world. And all it was was dehydration. And so he said that then he started doing research, diving deeper into all of this. And, you know, he pointed out that the current paradigm, the current thinking is that uh, the medical industry, whenever you eat any kind of pill, it works on the 25% of our body, which is the solid portion. 75% of our body is water. When you drink water, you're actually replenishing 75% of your body. When you eat any kind of medication, any kind of pill, any kind of treatment, that's focused on this 25%. So drinking water can actually take care of just common diseases, common things that are out there and you know, migraines, headaches, all of that can be handled by drinking water. I love that. I mean, that is literally one thing I am so adamant about. I did the 75 hard and they're like drinking gallon of water a day. And I was doing that. And I started to realize we live in such a dehydrated state majority of the time. And whenever anyone comes up to me, like, Oh, I'm not feeling well, drink the water. Yeah. Feel, you'll feel, I, I, yeah, it's. Same thing for my wife. Anytime she says I have a headache, I just hand her a glass of water. I don't even say anything anymore. Just drink. Drink the water. You'll feel better. You'll feel better. Doc, this has been phenomenal. Um, I hope everyone out there, uh, I'm going to put everything in the show notes. And guys, if you haven't yet, grab a drink of water. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.